Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. I'm going to speak to you from the subject for the next couple, couple moments, little by little. Everybody say little by little. Little by little. Exodus chapter 23, uh, verse 28 through 33. Exodus chapter 28, uh, verse 28 through 33. In verse 28 it says, I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. Verse 29 says, but I will not drive them out in a single year. I'm just going to repeat that for you real quick. But I will not drive them out in a single year. That's just discouraging. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will draw, you will, you will, you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. I'm going to break this down for a couple moments for you. And, and so we've been as a community in the book of Exodus. And so we've been talking about climbing higher and, and so all of these things. I, I want to touch on this passage. Uh, it, it's a really interesting passage and there's so much truth in it. But, but it says this. It, it says that God told them he would not drive them out in a single year. It doesn't even sound like something God would say. It's like what God would say, it seems like to me, is God would say, I will drive them out in a single year. Now you have to understand the story right now is we're picking up in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel have, have escaped. God's delivered them from Egypt where they were in slavery for 430 years. They were in slavery. Moses came as the deliverer. He got them out. They went across the Red Sea. You heard about the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted and the, the Bible says the children of Israel walked through on dry ground and as the Egyptians chased them, the water closed in on them and he destroyed them. So now they're in the wilderness and they're on their way to find the promised land. This is what God told them. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place that you've only dreamed about. I'm going to bring you into a place of your dreams. And this is, this is interesting. This is how he says it. He says, I'm going to give you. I, I don't know about you, but when somebody says, I'm going to give you, I just feel like they're going to give it. Like, you ever heard that phrase, no strings attached? It's like, God doesn't understand that here. Because he says, I'm going to give it to you, but then he says, you're going to have to fight for it. Which is really interesting, because he says, I'm giving it, but you're going to have to do some work. Now that goes against some of the ways that we think, and definitely what we want. Because we want it to be, we just pray and fast these 21 days, and now God's just going to give us everything we ask for. But I'm going to tell you, God works in ways that are different than our ways. The Bible says that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. So we're oftentimes confused about how God is working and how he's moving and sometimes really discouraged or disappointed in the time that it's taking, but God is working on our behalf. It says that he will not drive them out in a year because little by little he will drive them out as we are being strengthened. 
This, this, this is interesting. Let me just tell you this. God loves you too much to make you or allow you to win too soon. Let me just say it again. God loves you too much to allow you to win too soon. He was telling the Israelites, I'm going to give you victory, but there's a process you got to walk through. And in the process, I'm going to teach you some things. And you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to do some work. Some, some Christians especially really don't like the concept of work. We just like to, you know, just sit back and relax and, and, and pray and just believe God's going to hand out everything that we need. We, we, like, we, we love to ask God for provision, and we love to make the walk out to the mailbox to see if an angel dropped a check in there, but we don't like going to the job that God provided to get the check that he provided. It's like, we, we don't like that. We like God to work the way we want. We want, like, dollar bills to start fluttering from the sky, and we just open our wallet, they fall in, it's like God provided. But oftentimes, God's provision looks different than what we're looking for. Sometimes, God's provision looks like a nine-to-five job. Well, I can get a nine-to-five job. I understand God will use what you think is just normal to actually catapult you into a place of blessing that you could not do on your own. It was a a couple years ago uh, that my son Jude, actually a year ago, he was turning two. And uh, for his second birthday, uh, his, his... aunt, my sister, we were talking about uh, what to get him for, for, his, uh, for his birthday. And, and we were talking, I'm like, man, he would love a bike. And he's obsessed with the color blue. And so we're like, we got to get him a blue bike. He's turning two. And, and, and so we found, and, and Whitney found, like, the, the nicest blue bike. It's the smallest, nicest. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, and so she got him this bike. He loved it. I mean, it's like, it's blue. It's a bike. The only problem was, is he's too small. So it's amazing, and it's been sitting in the garage, and he loves to go out there and sit on it. He just can't ride it yet. It's his. Like, we've given it to him. He possesses it. It's like sitting right there in the garage. He, he's just not big enough. to. If he tried to ride it, he would hurt himself. If he tried to get on this thing and just take off on his own, he would hurt himself because he's not big enough. Because we gave him something that he wasn't ready for. This passage is talking about a people that are not ready for what God's about to give them. And you have to catch this, is God loves them so much that he says, I'm not going to give it to you. And I'm not going to give it to you, not because I don't want to bless you, I'm not going to give it to you because I don't want to hurt you. Oftentimes, we confuse God holding back as him trying to hurt us when in actuality, God is trying to preserve us and save us and make sure that we're strong enough to do what he's called us to do. My ways are not his ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts, so I've got to trust and I've got to understand that whatever God is doing and however God is working is for my benefit. Have you ever felt frustrated at the pace of your breakthrough? You ever just felt impatient? I mean, some of y'all, you know, been on this fast and you're thinking, I'm pretty sure I should have got an answer by now. Doing what I did, as intense as I did it, I should be getting an answer. And if maybe it's felt for you like there's nothing. Maybe you've been praying about something for a long time, maybe even years, and you're wondering, where is my breakthrough? 
Where is this breakthrough that we speak of? How does somebody get this breakthrough? What do you have to do? We've been fasting. We've been praying. I've been coming to church. I've been seeking God. What do I have to do to get this breakthrough? Have you ever felt like people all around you are getting blessed, and it seems like your blessings are just like on hold? It's one of the most difficult things is when you're really in need of something, and everyone else is testifying about how they got it, and you're still seeking for yours. And oftentimes we compare ourselves to the people around us and because they're getting blessed or they're getting promoted or they're doing this or they're doing that, we think that we should be. And if we don't have the same opportunity they have, then what we do is we get angry at God. But that comes from a lack of understanding of how good God is because everything that God is doing, he's doing for you. The Bible says he's working on your behalf and he works all things together for your good. This is wild because it doesn't even say for his good. It says for your good. So every time God presses pause on your progress, every time God sends a delay your way, every time God allows a situation to happen in your life that you feel is against you or anti you, God is actually in love with you and saying, I'm going to set it up so that you can win. I've learned this about God is that he loves us enough to make us wait. It's, it's taken me a long time and a lot of difficulty to understand this, but God loves us enough to make us wait. God loves you enough to move you slow. Can I just be real transparent with you? Slow is the thing that, one of the things that I detest the most. Anything slow. You, you could tell me anything and take it slow. I don't like it. I want food fast. I want cars fast. I want progress fast. I want dreams fast. I want God's provision fast. Just get, I want pain fast. I don't want to draw it out. Just give it to me quick. Get it off. You know, some of those people just like, oh. No, just like, if, I, if you got to take the band-aid off, rip it off now and do it fast. I want it done. Everything I want in life, I want fast. And then God says, I'm going to move you slow. I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I'm ambitious. I've got passion. I'm, I, 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 I'll run after things. I feel urgency. And then God says he's going to move me slow? What do you do when God gives you a giant dream and then tells you to move slow? You're going to change the world. And I'm going to slow you down. How am I going to change the world if you're slowing me down? The confusion starts to happen because we almost think that we're on the same level and wavelength as God. And we think, God, this doesn't make sense. Why would you slow me down if I'm supposed to do that? And God says this. He says, you're not strong enough. You're not big enough to ride the bike yet, so I'm not going to give you the bike because if I gave you the bike, you would ride it. If I gave you the bike, you'd try to ride it. And if you tried to ride it, you would hurt yourself. And when you hurt yourself, you'd be mad that I gave it to you. So instead we sit and we're mad that he didn't give it to us. But if he would have given it to us, we would have hurt ourselves and we'd be mad that he gave it to us. God's in a lose-lose situation. I mean, he can't, he can't win for losing. I mean, it's just like, what do you, what do, you do? This ver verse in, in, in this chapter, verse 29, says, But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Listen to this. He says, I will not drive them out in a single year because... The land would become desolate, the wild animals too numerous for who? You. 
So this is what you have to understand before we go anywhere tonight is that everything that God's doing is for you. We think when God moves slow, it's because God's moving slow. God's trying to torture us. God's trying to punish me for how I lived my life in my teen years. God's trying to, I hear people talk about this all the time. It's like, well, you know, it's just, it's, it's karma, pastor. I just, I was bad, and now everything's going to go slow. And God's saying, I'm doing this for you. I love you so much that I'm going to move you slow. I love you so much that I'm going to do it step by step. Because if you went too fast, all of this around you would overpower you. The temptation would be too much for you. The compromise would be too much for you. The work pressure would be too much for you. The family pressure would be too much for you. So I'm going to slow you down because I love you. This is one of the most difficult lessons for someone who's passionate and someone who's forward-thinking and progressive to understand that God would want to make me slow. I mean, aren't we in a hurry here, God? Have you watched the news lately, God? We are in a hurry. You need me. You need me now. And he says, I, I love you so much. I'm going to move you slow. God knows your path and what you can handle. He also knows your potential and what you can be. See, in our minds, we think we know what we can be. But if we do what we know to be, it will fall way short of what God has put in us. Because God knows how far we can go, and God knows what we can do. Because he put it in us. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before he formed you in your mother's womb. Before he formed you in your mother's womb. So he formed you as a human in your mother's womb. Not out of your mother's womb, in your mother's womb. He formed you right there, just Want to throw that out? Jeremiah chapter 1 5. You formed in your mother's womb. You, and you were called and you were set apart. When he put you in there, he knew what you had. So if he gave you what you wanted, you would settle too low. If he gave you what you wanted, you would stop too soon. If he gave you what you wanted, you would settle for a dream that does not even come close to the potential that you have inside of you because he's called you and he has set you apart and he's chosen you to do great things that he has in mind, not just that you have in mind. I was talking to our staff months ago and I was telling them that when I started out in, in ministry and when I moved to Texas eight years ago and, uh, and we were over in the old building and, and uh, I think we had like 15 youth the, the first Wednesday night and I'm thinking, what have I done? Why am I here? Our AC broke on the first day. It's July. It was 107 degrees. Jamie's in the ho hospital with gallbladder, having gallbladder surgery where we're trying to remodel the house and some of y'all were there helping and I'm thinking, I had a smile on my face but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, God, why? Texas feels literally like hell. It, it is so hot, and everything is going wrong. And I, and I started to think this, and, and honestly, if you would have came up to me at that moment, after that first Wednesday night, I left the first Wednesday night, in the first week of July, I left that Wednesday night to go to the hospital to sit with Jamie uh, because she just had gallbladder surgery while the AC broke, and then my car broke down. So someone from the church is fixing the car in the parking lot of the hospital. I mean, everything. And if you would have said, hey, Dustin, 
here's the thing. God's got some big things for you, and you can have it right now if you want. But this is going to be the cap. Okay? If you take it now, this will be the cap. And if someone would have said, you're going to be sitting in a brand new building. You're going to have 1,200 people in your church. You are going to be sending missionaries all over the world. You are going to, and on and on and on. You're going to have an internship of 40 students. You're going to, and, and they told me all of that and said, do you want it? Where I was, I would have said, yes. That's my dream. That's, that's what I want. Yes, God, that's amazing. We reached that many people. Yes. But I want to show you something. Because God moves slow. Because he moves slow. Because he moved us little by little. We haven't even really noticed. Because I'm still as hungry today as I was then. So since he moved me little by little, he kept me from settling at what my stopping place was. Because he said... We've got something bigger for you. We've got something bigger for that church. we got something bigger for Church 1132. So if you would have had it your way, and if you would have had it in your timing, you would have stopped way too soon. Your capacity is greater than you think it is. Your potential is greater than you think it was. And God has to move you slow. He has to move you little by little. Otherwise, you'll settle too soon. God leads you. He loves you enough to move you slow, and he leads you in the way that you can win. I want to tell you and just let you know this, that delay doesn't mean denied. Delay does not mean denied. Some people think that delayed means that they've been denied. When God doesn't answer your prayers, that means it's over. When God doesn't come through for you, that means it's over. But delay does not denied. God loves you enough to move you slow and he leads you in the way that you can win. This is what God was saying to the Israelites. He said, hey, just calm down a little bit. I'm going to lead you in the way that you can win. I am not going to move you too fast because if I move you too fast, you won't be able to handle what I'm giving you. I have to move you slow. And this is what is so interesting. It's the journey that makes you strong. The, the journey, he says, I'm going to move you slow, so on the journey, you'll be strengthened. It says it's in verse 30. It says, little by little, I will drive them out before you. Who will drive them out? He will. It says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. So what he's saying is, as he takes his time, he's strengthening me. He is making me stronger. He is increasing my focus until a time I've increased enough where he says, okay, you've got it. Now you can take the land. You can take possession now because in your process, God strengthens you. In your process is when he develops you. In your process is when he fills you with everything that he is so that when he takes you into the place that he's taking you, you can actually handle it. Did, did you know some of the greatest mistakes that I've made in ministry have not been what you think they'd be? The greatest mistakes I've made in ministry have been releasing people too soon. Some of the greatest mistakes that I've made in leadership is by letting people lead too soon. Says that, that God said, I'm not going to drive them all out in a year. I'm going to take you little by little. But as a young leader, I saw potential in people. 
And when I saw potential in people, I wanted to promote them. And when I promoted them, I promoted them past their process. And when I promoted them past their process, the weight of the battle they were facing at that level, they were not strong enough for. And so because I bypassed their process, I failed them because I didn't help them develop the strength that was needed on that level. New levels, new devils. And every level you take and every level you climb to, you're going to face a, a different level of attack and a different level of opposition. And we say in this community where there's great opposition, there's great opportunity. And if you're facing some opposition, it is a prophetic indicator that God is about to do something in your life. So when God begins to move, the enemy begins to attack. And when the enemy begins to attack, you can say, God, you're good because you're trying to develop something in me so that I can take the land that you're calling me to take. I've learned in my life that when the devil hits, I should laugh because that means God is about to show up in my life. I feel like I'm talking to some people who've been hit before. I feel like I'm talking to some people that have had some opposition before because you wouldn't react the way you're reacting unless you've been through some battles. But just because you've been through some battles doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that God's hand is on you. It means that God is about to do something that is going to make the world marvel. Great opposition means great opportunity. So he says, I'm going to take you little by little. I remember years ago, I had promoted a couple guys to a place of leadership. Man, they had potential. I mean, some of the most dynamic, passionate. And I, and I, I remember multiple times sitting with Pastor Steve and said, man, these guys, wow, they're, they're amazing. They're this. And I remember I placed him in a place of leadership. You know what's really interesting? It was about three weeks. Three weeks on a level they weren't trained for before they couldn't handle it. If I would have let them better, I would have took them slower. And you know what? All the time, people get mad at me for not releasing them sooner. But you know what I found now? I would rather have people mad at me and God develop something in them than to release them too soon and let them fall. I love them too much to let them go too early. God loves you too much to let you win too soon. God loves you too much to let you get that break too, breakthrough too soon. Wait, so God's holding back his breakthrough? You know what? Sometimes he is. Because he loves you. If he gave you everything you asked for right now, you would ask for too low. You would not ask for enough, and you wouldn't be strong enough to handle it. God continually had the Israelites' strength and their durability in mind. Too much too soon is deadly. God will move you in the pace and in the path that you can win in. This is so encouraging is because God is not trying to just advance his, advance his kingdom at the expense of us. He's trying to his advance his kingdom with the assistance of each and every one of us. But he knows that we've got to be strong enough 
to stand up in the place that he's called us to. If we don't develop character in the process, the gift at the next level will crush us. It is the character that keeps you. Some of you, some of you have the endurance to run and the endurance to climb. You just don't have the character to uphold what God gives you. So the process develops character. You know what? It's good to be denied for a while. It shows your motive. It shows your heart. It's good to be denied for a while. You know the people in the Bible that had great persistence, God always rewarded. Did you know that when God was speaking about prayer specifically, he gave the example of a persistent widow that annoyed a judge until he gave in? And then Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, then he says, that's how you should pray. He says, this, this, bug him, annoy him, don't let him sleep, keep him up all night long. Just bug him until he answers. That doesn't sound like a God. I mean, we want to pray God's heart and pray what he wants. Why did Jesus give us the illustration that he said, this is the way that you should pray? He said, there was a widow. She had a need. She went before a judge, and she annoyed him. The, the Greek word actually has the picture of, a, like, such annoyance that you're going to give them whatever they ask for. That's the picture it gives. And he says, this is the way that you should pray. God will move you step by step, and he'll move you little by little. See, I used to be so mad at God when I hit a delay. But the delays were for my development. He loved me so much that he delayed me. He loved me so much that he pressed pause on my progress. He loved me so much that he didn't let me get too much too soon because he wanted to make sure that I had the strength that when I got to the next level, I could stay there. See, a lot of people can get to the next level, but few people can stay there because it's the process. It's the process that makes you strong enough to stand in the place that God's calling you. No one's happy about the process. Nobody loves the process. Nobody wants process. Nobody wants to go little by little. Nobody wants to put in the work. Nobody wants to put in the time. But I'm going to tell you this. There is no overnight success in the kingdom of God. An overnight success is the first time someone sees you and they say, oh, wow, you're an overnight success. But for years, your process has been happening. Your discipleship has been happening. Your consecration has been happening. When they say you're an overnight success, it is just the first time they've seen you. Because what God's been doing has been beneath the surface and nobody's been seeing it. So now all of a sudden, you're an overnight success. No, you're not. God's been working in you for years. I get frustrated when people say, oh, the church is an overnight success. Overnight success? Oh, you obviously were not walking with us. You, you obviously have not been through the process. You were not with us when we high-fived the ceiling every Sunday morning. Even I could high-five the ceiling. And that's saying something. You must, you must not have been there. When we didn't know what to do. You must not have been there when the, the loan fell through. You must not have been there when we prayed and we fasted that God would send 50 people. You must not have been there way back when Pastor Steve and Lisa prayed for any place to meet. Just some place outside of their house. You must not have been there when there was years with, with no pay and with no salary as they sacrificed and as they get. See, 
People say, oh, it's an overnight success. It's just finally got to a place where people could see it. But the process is what made it possible. Every step. People see your life. You see, they see you and say, oh, wow, where'd you come from? Like, I've been here. I've been here a long time. I've been plowing. I've been working little by little. been trying to go fast. God keeps slowing me down. He takes me the long way. Brother, I've been here. Please don't tell me I just showed up. Please do not tell me that this thing just popped out of the air. Please do not tell me it's just a good area or it's just the Bible Belt. Please do not tell me this building just built itself. Please do not tell me that. Do not compromise my process. My process was just a setup for the promise that God's taken me to. Your process is just a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. And God's got to get you ready. We're not strong enough yet. So we got to walk through what we got to walk through so we can get to where we need to be. God knows what we can endure so he gives us victory little by little so that we can handle it. God calls your discomfort your development. This is what's interesting as the story winds on, these last scriptures. We see that God leaves the victory up to you. Up to you. Well, no, pastor, that's not right. The victory is in God's hands. It was at the beginning, right? We read that. It says, it says who will drive them out? It said, God will drive them out. But in verse 31, it says, I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and... Is it up there? Where is that? It's a phantom verse. Find it. It says, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. What's the next verse? 31. Do you have it? I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and who? You. When we started in verse 29, it said, God was saying, I will drive them out. But now in verse 31, he says, you will drive them out. What happened between him and us? Time. Process. He said, I moved you slow so that you would be strong enough to drive out the people in the land. So God said, I'm going to deliver them into your hands, but then you got to drive them out. This is what God does. He says, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to win. But you got to fight the battle. Hey, guys, great news. You win. But it's about to get hard. It's going to take a long time. And you're going to have to fight with everything that you got. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to lay things down. You're going to have to give up your own rights and your own dreams. See, people love to preach the promise without the process. It, it, it's all over our world today, is that we want to talk about, oh, God gave you the victory, brother, he gave you the victory. Well, where the heck is the victory then? Because it's waiting on me. It's waiting on you. It's waiting on me to use what God gave me. It's waiting on you to use the gift God gave you. He said, I gave you the victory, which means I guarantee you're going to win. But you're going to have to take the risk. You're going to have to take the risk, man of God. You're going to have to take the risk, woman of God, and say, I'm about to take it. 
I'm about to take it. Little by little. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how dark the night is, how hard the fight is. Little by little, I will take the land. God said you're strong enough. God said you're ready. God said you're called. God said you're chosen. Now he said it's time for you to take the land that I gave you. You do what you can do, and God will do what you cannot. You do what you can do, and God will do what you cannot. I feel something tonight. Because I think in 2017, I think, and we've talked about this as a community, is that this is the year of the risk. Which means this, is that a risk to us is obedience to God. Which means when God's asking me to do something big, it looks like a risk to me, but it's just obedience to God. What looks like a leap to me is a step to God. God will show you your dream, and he'll lead you by steps. We want to go from dream to dream, but God says you got to go from step to step. I'm not taking you from dream to dream. I'm taking you little by little from step to step to step to step. And before you know it, you're stronger than you ever thought you were. Because you had to walk that far, you got strong. Everything that you went through made you stronger. Everything that you encountered and everything that you endured, it made you stronger. The pain you went through made you stronger. The heartache you went through, it made you stronger. The heartbreak you went through, it made you stronger. The delays, they made you stronger. And little by little, God strengthened you. And then he says, gives us a picture of really what true maturity is. And he says, I was going to drive them out. And I did drive them out while you were too weak to do it. But now you're strong enough. Now you go drive them out. I was talking to someone in, in our church a couple weeks ago. And, and they said, I, I just not, I'm just not feeling God like I used to. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but like when I, was, when I used to speak or when, when I used to share, like I would feel it, but I just didn't feel anything the last time. And I said, that is the best news. She looked at me like, wait, what? I said, that is the best news. That means that you're maturing. Because right now, in the morning, we got to tell the boys, get up, get dressed. Okay, we got to get you dressed. Eat. Wait, don't do that. Yes, do that. Don't go there. Don't step off there. Don't go there. Watch out. Watch out. Careful on the stairs. We, they hear our voice all the time. But when they get older, they don't need to hear it. Because they need to go. They know, they know how to go down the stairs. They know how to ride the bike. Right now, I'm like, dude, don't get on that. Don't get on that bike. That thing's too big for you. Watch out. Hold up. I'm, I have to be careful. He has to hear my voice all the time because his maturity level is not at a place where he can do it on his own. But the more he matures, the less he is going to hear me say, no, 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 yes, 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 stop, go, do this, do that. He's going to hear it less, and it's not because I love him less. It's because he knows now what to do. Some of you feel like, man, when I was first a believer, I felt God so, you needed it. You didn't know him. You didn't know how to hear him. You didn't know how to listen to him. And because you don't feel him as much now, it's not because he's not there or not because you're not, you're not growing or not because God doesn't love you. It's because you know him now. You know it. When I used to hear the voice of God, it was like, and I was supposed to give a word like I did in, uh, in the beginning of the message. 
I'm, I would feel nauseous. I'd have knots in my stomach until I released. I mean, it was just like, I got to do this. I got, I got to. I know it's God. You know what now? Tonight, I didn't feel anything. Like nothing. Actually, it would have been nice to feel a little something because it was scary. So I'm like three ACL tears. I mean, who would think of that? And it was, it was a risk. And God didn't give me any type of feeling. No bright light. No goosebumps. Nothing. But my relationship has grown to a place where I don't need him to push me off the cliff. I'll jump now because I know he wants me there. When you trust God, you don't have to have him pick you up and move you or shake you or scream at you. You just know that's God. And you begin to move and you begin to walk. I'm going to tell you something about God. He knows what's in you. Listen to me. He knows the potential in you. I want you to hear me because I'm going to say some things prophetically tonight for you. He knows what's in you. He knows what you are supposed to be. That's why you're irritated like you are. Because you're settling for a level that he's not called you to. And he says there's more. There's more. That's why in your walk with God, you just can't seem to get it. It's just not satisfying. It's because he says it's deeper. I got to take you deeper. I got, that's why that nine to five is just not cutting it for you because it's your little by little, but God has something bigger for you on the other side of it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying sometimes God has to provoke us into purpose. Sometimes he's got to push us into a place of obedience because otherwise we would settle way too low and for way too, way too less. In Mark chapter four, I'll close with this story. Mark chapter 7, actually. There's a, there's a story, and I wish we could get into it, and interns have studied it. Most of the insight on it I got from Jamie, because she's way more smart than I am. Way smarter. <laughs> she, just, she also needs to help me learn how to speak. Mark, Mark chapter 7. It's a story of, of the Syrophoenician woman. And, and she comes to Jesus, and they have dialogue. They have this communication. One of the most perplexing dialogues that I've ever found in the Bible. Because you see Jesus operate in such a way that it's so out of character for him. And she comes to him, and she communicates that she has a demon-possessed daughter. She needs a miracle. And Jesus describes to her how unfitting it would be to give her what she's asking for asking for. She, he actually relates to her as a dog. That's what he says in, in the passage. He, he, says, he, he says, like, how can I give this to the dogs? And she begins this conversation, which is so prophetic and all kinds of type and shadows. And it, It's an amazing story that has so much depth we don't have time to get into. But, but she doesn't stop. She, she's relentless. And this is when she tells Jesus, she says, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall off the table. So even if I am a dog, she said, yeah, even the dogs get the scraps that fall off the table. She, she's relentless. And, and, and you see in Scripture three different times that Jesus denies her. And theologians and, and, and scholars, when they talk about this passage and they, they talk about this, they say that Jesus denied her because he knew the faith that was in her. And if he, if, 
if, if, he ne- if he never denied her, she would have never used the faith. If, she, if he would have gave her the miracle right when she needed it, right when she asked, then she wouldn't have had to use her faith. She would have never known that the faith was in her. She would have never known she had the capacity. She would never have known that she had more in her. But because Jesus said no, it was the best thing that could ever happen to her because when Jesus said no, she found out she had more. And she said, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall off the table. And Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this. I've never seen something like this. I've never seen faith. But he knew that faith was in her. And he had to provoke her to get it out. I'm going to tell you something tonight. God knows what's in you. That's why you went through what you went through is he knows what's in you. And he's provoked you and he's pushed you. Oh, so God caused all these things to happen? No, God didn't cause them, but he sure will use them. Why would he waste your process? Why would he waste your tragedy? Why would he waste your crisis? No, he says what the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to flip it around and I'm going to use it for their good. Why don't you stand up with me? Jesus, he denied her for her own good. Jesus denied her for her own good. Does that not just sound so out of the ordinary? So wrong. Jesus, why would you ever deny her? She's got a demon-possessed daughter. God, why would you do that? Oh, he only did it because he knew what was in her. What if she was offended? What if she would have been offended that day? How dare you call me a dog? You know what? Forget it. Take you and your little homies, your disciples. And go. And Judas, that guy's a traitor. You don't even know it. He's stealing. He's stealing from you, Jesus. You just have him. Great disciple you are. She, she could have just done like what we do. Well, she said, Jesus, even if I am, even the dogs eat the scrap. There's so much to this story that, that is hard to explain in, in a couple moments. But the, 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 the reason that they couldn't serve her is he's trying to show his disciples that, that this, this woman, and they were in an area where there was, that, that, where they shouldn't be interacting with her. They were in an area where they shouldn't be having fellowship with her. She, they, Jesus shouldn't even have a conversation with her because of the rules and the laws of that day. But this was something that the disciples hadn't even seen yet, is this woman recognized that he was the Messiah and the disciples hadn't even seen it yet because when she said, even the dogs eat the scraps, it was a type and shadow of the Gentiles that then in the future would receive the gospel because at that point it was only for the Jew and Paul said, I preach first to the Jew, but God told them, and then to the Gentile. So she knew something that the disciples didn't even know. And there was a faith in her that she didn't know. So instead of getting offended, she got humble. And you see her in this posture before Jesus that is just so beautiful. I can just see her. She just like gets down on her knees. She says, Jesus, even if I am a dog, even if I'm not fitting, even if I'm not worthy, even the dogs eat, eat the scraps. And I, I wonder if Jesus probably, and Jamie told me there's that one theologian I thought was hilarious, um, that he said that he sees Jesus 
like with a twinkle in his eye when he's denying her because he knew she wouldn't give up. We think he was denying her because it's like, wow, let's just not talk about that chapter because Jesus kind of was out of, out of character. Woo. <laughs> Little while there, Jesus. Just hold up, hold up. But it's almost like he's like, there's more in her. There's more in this woman. So he says, nope, not going to give it to you. But Jesus, nope, not going to do it. All the while, he knew the persistence in her. See, some of us, we've given up too soon. The only reason he took you on the long road was to make sure you were strong. The only reason he's taking you little by little is because he's making sure that you can win. And the only time, the only reason that he's denying you in an area is because he knows that there's more in you. And tonight, I just think that God is provoking us. I think that he's stirring something up. I, I think that, that he's brought us here together on this Friday night to end this fast. And not to just give us all the answers, but give us perspective on why the answers have to come at certain times. Because he can't give us what we need or what we want too soon. Because there's more. There's more faith in you. I think I want to find my own faith, Jesus. You don't have to, like, tell me no. No, the only way you'll find it. Let me just ask you this. You ever had a situation in your life hit you so tragic, so hard, so sad, and you thought in your mind, I will never make it through this. But here you are. So there was more in you. If you, if what someone would have told you before you went through what you went through, you're about to go through this, you would say, I would never live through that. I would never make it. I would never make it. But then you went through it. And there was more in you, so you made it. Doesn't mean it didn't hurt. Doesn't mean that it didn't injure you or hurt you. But there was more strength in you than what you had known. The only thing that God's trying to get across tonight is that there's more in you. So we have encounter nights to dig down deep and say, God, show us the more. Show us, don't let us settle for something that is too low. Don't let us settle in a place that is not the place that you're calling us to. God, break us out of normal living. Break us out of the routine. Break us out of our cultural mindsets. Break us out of compromise. Break us out. God, strengthen us so that we can be what you want us to be and do what you want us to do. God, use our lives. There's more in you. There is more in you. You thought God's delay was God's punishment, but God's delay was his development. His delay was his discipline. And the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. He loves you so much that he puts you on pause. He loves you so much that he slowed you down. He loves you so much that he denied you. So think how much God must think of you if he denied you. So the next time someone gets something you don't get, instead of being mad that they got it, just think in a very humble way, but think, oh, God must think I have something. They got it fast, they probably couldn't handle the no. They got it fast, they, they couldn't handle the denial. That means God must know that there's more. I'm telling you, if we figure out that God has, what if we figure out what God sees in us, 
We'll take the long road every single time. Tonight, I hope you just have a fresh perspective on denial. Delayed doesn't mean denied. And denied does not mean that it's God's punishment. It's just God's preservation of who you are. It's His exploration of what you have. It's His initiation into where you're going. It is God setting you up for the great things that He has for you. You know, I've I've never ran a marathon in my life, and I probably never will. There's no desire there to do it. I mean, it just, it, it's, Chris did it years ago, and I saw what he went through. I said, no. Ben did it a couple years ago. I saw something new. I just not, that's not for me. But you know what? Sometimes the way we look at our walk with God is we try to run the marathon while abandoning the training. And then when we try to run this marathon, we wonder why we can't do it, and we think it's God not helping us when he said, no, no, I was trying to take you little by... See, if you would have ran seven miles today, and you would have ran 12 miles next week, and if you would have let me train you, you would run through what other people are stumbling on. You would run through what other people are falling on because I put you in a position in life to train you. Tonight, I don't know all that God wants to do, but I'm going to tell you this. I feel like, I feel like uh, there's this, this word that I used to, I preached a message on it years ago. It's, it's called stir crazy. And I think actually last encounter night, last year, I mentioned this word. And what it means, stir crazy, the actual definition in the dictionary is distraught because of prolonged confinement. Stir crazy. You've been confined for a long time. You get, you get stir crazy, and I feel like that some some of you on your journey, you've just gotten stir crazy because it's been little by little, and it's just uh, you, you you feel distraught because of prolonged confinement. And I'm going to tell you the remedy to it. The remedy is what Jamie so beautifully said in her exhortation: it's worship. It's it's worship. That woman didn't care about her rights. That woman didn't care about who was looking. That woman came to Jesus and laid it down. And that that is what, she broke the bottle, but she also broke open her life. It was, it was what set her free. It's what brought her to a new dimension. It's what God honored and God recognized that broken life, that broken heart. So I feel like tonight is that we've got, maybe you've been distraught because of prolonged confinement, but we've got to break everything that we would hold as valuable. we got to lay it at God's feet. we got to begin to worship like we've never worshipped. Begin to seek His face like we've never sought. And I'm telling you, God wants to take your life to a completely different level. God wants to do things in 2017 that are going to look like risks to you, but it's going to be just obedience to God. God wants to do something in 2017 that makes the entire community talk about the miracles that are happening right here. God wants to do something in 2017 that makes your neighbors wonder how your life changed that fast. God wants to do something in 2017 that will give him all the glory, all the honor, for the things he's done. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.